Hello, everybody. Welcome to our community, our mission. This is Barry Feeker, Executive Director of the Topeka Rescue Mission, and we are in June, on the 16th of June. Life is moving fast. Oh, Everything's moving yes, fast. Fast, fast, fast. Marion Crable, Director of Supportive Services. Kim Turley, Director of Volunteers, Events, and the Media. Hello. Here again. Uh, we had a great program last week. We um, did. Just, yes. uh, if you get a chance, go back to last week. A couple of great guys, SJ and Manny, were with us and yeah. uh, just really were looking at uh, what's going on in regards to our tensions that we have in our country right now and uh, Black Lives Matters and uh, really the heart of the matter. And right. we really got into a couple of great men. Um, love to have them back and we will have them back so yes. they can kind of unpack their testimonies a little bit more. Today, what we wanted to um, just kind of have a conversation about is not only a need, but an opportunity that exists before us. And um, obviously we um, see in regards to coronavirus and the economic impact. And we've been talking about this on the podcast and every other chance that we get about the um, effects of the uh, economic situation in relationship to unemployment. Again, reminder, uh, at the beginning of uh, this year, right, actually in 2019 in December, we had about 5.8 million unemployed in America. That number has jumped to 40 million unemployed in America. That's a 600% increase. Mm -hmm. Knowing that uh, people um, within 40 million, yeah. uh, many are struggling, um, struggling in our own community. Um, social services, safety nets have been affected dramatically because of reduction in government programs, reduction in the nonprofit arena, being able to have the resources, donations, leveraging this, that, and the other thing. So there's a lot of needy folks everywhere and here in the Topeka area as well. One of those um, outcomes is hunger. And the government has recognized that, we have recognized that, and we've been working feverishly um, around the clock to figure out ways that we can get food to people who are in need. And there's some great things that are going on. Um, we've uh, changed the way we deliver food at the rescue mission in regards to people just driving by rather than coming in a building uh, just for protection for everybody. But the schools and uh, Boys and Girls Club and other nonprofits here in the community working together to be able to get food to folks. However, there's still a lot of folks that aren't getting food to them, and we were contacted by the CityGate Network, which is Rescue Missions, and uh, representing Rescue Missions in North America, uh, World Vision, CityServe, and the White House in regards to how can we get food to people who can't get out to get food somewhere, can't get to a drive through can't get to the rescue mission, can't get to a parking lot. Um, and we're understanding there's a lot of folks that can't. Right. And so how do we get food to them? So right now there is a pipeline of getting food, but how do we get food to the people? So we're working on something here um, that uh, is under development and it's like we don't have a lot of time to develop anything anymore, <laughs> but we've uh, uh, called it Operation Food Secure. And it is an attempt to be able to engage the community with the community to get food to people who are in need. And uh, more will be coming out on that, but it's got basically three goals. Uh, one is to uh, quickly get food to people who are in need to provide hunger relief. Secondly, we're going to be working with volunteers, Kim. And uh, lots of them. And uh, to be able to... Um, get volunteers to help get that food to our neighbors. And right. so it's neighbors working with neighbors. And then thirdly, 
we are l- examining some potential options of helping people be food secure in regards to growing their own food, um, which would really be a game changer. So more to come on that. But let's today, let's talk about a benefit, not only of getting food to people, but Miriam, you've been working in the social services arena as director of United Way here out in California before this, here at the rescue mission for the last uh, few years, and you know the system. What can change out of this that really would be great in regards to how we do business? You know, I think the social services network <clears throat> is strong and they care greatly about people. We care about people. Yes. We see how they struggle and we want to make a difference in their lives. But sometimes the situation is so overwhelming, we kind of take an easy path. So mm-hmm. we have people come to us, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If you have a need, come to, come to us. I'll be here for you. My door will always be open. Mm-hmm. And yet it leaves out this whole section of folks that can't come somewhere right? Mm -hmm. Can't come to TRM, can't get to another organization, can't get to where they need to be for um, uh, medication, whatever. I mean, it could be any number of things. Can't get to the grocery store or don't have a grocery store close enough. They're walking, they're on bikes, they're on a bus. You know, when we think about that, food can become an overwhelmingly big challenge Mm -hmm. to even go get. Mm -hmm. So we could kind of shift this social services mindset just a little bit with this and say, you know what, we're going to do what we can to get into the middle of neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And we're not only going to go there to help people, but to really engage the community Mm -hmm. in being able to work with each other. That's the one positive I've seen come out of COVID. There's been a few positives, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But there is this kind of resurgence of neighbors, right? Like talking to each other or waving. We laugh. I laugh anyway. People I've I've never waved at before are waving. You know, they're so excited like a little you're happy kid. happy to see a person. You're happy to see a person. <laughs> exactly. And I think we have the opportunity to really reconnect people in small groups, right? In small groups like your neighborhood mm-hmm. um, to be able then be there. I think about the Amish. I know I'm Mennonite, right? So I'm going to go to the Amish. But um, <laughs> I think That's about, <laughs> I do, <laughs> I embrace that. Um, <laughs> but I think about the Amish and how when something bad happens to a neighbor, mm-hmm. they absolutely en- engulf that neighbor, whether mm-hmm. it's to build a barn, whether mm-hmm. it's to, if they're sick, they will um, harvest their crops, all of that. Well, why can't we do that in smaller neighborhoods? And I think this is what we're looking at doing, is restructuring that system so that neighbors help neighbors with the assistance of those of us in social services Mm -hmm. to make it feasible and easier to coordinate and do. And getting to know their neighbors. You know, that's really where where we really have gravitated away. I remember when I was a kid, every neighbor knew everybody. Of course. Um, Now we have this great ability to social network through so many things and we don't know anybody. Yeah. You know, especially the ones closest around us. I may know somebody in in China somewhere better than I know my next door neighbors because of the ability to do technology today. You know, I, you're Mennonite, and uh, and there's there may be a Mennonite listening right now. But <laughs> there you probably know, is. You know, I'm, I'm I'm not Mennonite, but my first church appointment was in a mm-hmm. Mennonite church, in 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 the inner city, in a place that we were pretty scared, and uh, we had our first child on the way, so Tammy was very pregnant, and uh, we were uh, penniless, but we had this little church appointment, and I walked into the Mennonite church because they needed a preacher, uh-huh. and I, I had never preached before, but <laughs> 
So they were pretty desperate. But I walked in and didn't feel like I fit at all and felt like I was definitely in the wrong pond. But by the end of that Sunday morning, felt the most loved, the most embraced, never wanted for food again, provided us with a free house. I mean, these Mennonites, they're serious about their gospel. They're, they are a very welcoming, uh, Jesus-following group. Yeah, absolutely. So just a little little side commercial for the Mennonites out there. So uh, yes, absolutely. You know, um, so I want to talk a little bit more about that. Kim, you work with how many volunteers um, before COVID, um, maybe even now, volunteers per month? average. I mean, in our system, I think total with groups and everything, it's about 1,600. 1,600 volunteers just helping out here at the mission. Yeah. How many volunteers do you think it would take to blank the whole city? (laughs) (laughs) Lots. Lots. More than 1,600, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what's what's the heart of a volunteer? Miriam talked about the heart of the nonprofits really want to help. What's the heart of a volunteer? Well, it's just like helping your neighbor. I mean, that's what it really comes down to. And and that's what we're going to need is this isn't going to be rescue mission volunteers out there. This is going to be community volunteers mm-hmm. wanting to help their neighborhood. Right. And that's what it's going to be stepping up because I was actually having a conversation with a guy today who does a food distribution out of the Oakland church mm-hmm. and, uh, or one of the Oakland churches. I know there's lots over there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was talking about how it's just him and another older guy doing it mm-hmm. and they're they're wearing down. Mm-hmm. And and that's what it is a lot of times is that we do have older volunteers. And so it's really time for the younger generation to step up and really help out the community. And even like businesses, like this is time for them to get involved, get their employees to get involved mm-hmm. with the community too. I mean, there's a number of businesses, take that back, number of businesses that do get involved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that we have lots of business community volunteers, um, but for this too, mm-hmm. I mean, this is bigger than the mission. This mm-hmm. is for the whole Topeka community and surrounding. Yeah, and there were the, you know, the, the passion that the volunteers have is is undeniable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have some folks who've been volunteering for years yeah. here at the rescue mission in whatever area we ask them to be in, and we couldn't do it without them. Right. We really could not do it without them. We're talking about something now that will not only give an opportunity for more people to get involved in pe- mm-hmm. with helping people, but it'll be mandated. In other words, we can't do it without mm-hmm. more people exactly. helping. <laughs> right. Um, so if you picture um, some of our more impoverished neighborhoods, and um, some people know exactly what we're talking about, and a lot of people don't, is there maybe uh, an elderly uh, woman in, in a house that uh, has no air conditioning? Mm-hmm. Um, she barely can keep uh, the water going. Um, and um, she doesn't have the mobility of getting out to be able to get to a food bank like the rescue mission. Um, and uh, she basically is just surviving. Right. And um, she doesn't have the financial resources, maybe the social network or whatever. Is she important? Of course. Yeah. So why is she in that situation? Well, we, we say, well, this or that or the other reason, but... We don't always know all the facts, but we do know that she probably is suffering. Mm-hmm. And uh, these are the kind of people we become more aware of all the time that are suffering greatly in every community, including ours. And what an incredible testimony it would be to Topeka mm-hmm. and the surrounding area if we really started focusing on that kind of person mm-hmm. in our community. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's many, many other scenarios here. Of course. So I think what's what's going to be important is that we are, at least for this season, mm-hmm. 
and we don't know how long this will last, we're going to be able to facilitate larger, larger volumes of food right. that are going to be coming. Significantly from, larger. Uh, yeah, significantly <laughs> larger, which we're going to be investing here at the rescue mission in storage facilities and transportation and those kind of things. But we're going to be asking people, and it won't be next year, it'll be this year, to consider um, volunteering in areas that we are working with the city of Topeka right now to be able to identify what those areas are and asking for people to be captains and co-captains to be able to then organize other volunteers and to be able to come here, pick up some food, and go take it to neighbors. Mm -hmm. That simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, isn't that great? Yes. That's really great. Now, the thing to think about, though, too, if we're really going to think about change, then how do we have to change? Mm -hmm. Like, if folks are working, because we know there are many hungry people, hungry families, who are actually working, right? right. These are not just people who are unemployed, Mm -hmm. even though we're going to have a Mm -hmm. plethora of those. Mm -hmm. These are not just those folks. These are folks that are probably working. And if all we do is offer stuff during the day, they can't access it because they're at work, right, right? right? So now how does our how do our systems have to change and our processes have to change to be able to really meet the needs of folks, mm-hmm. you know, by, by meeting them where they are, saying, okay, we know you need food. We know that. And so we're going to make an effort mm-hmm. to be able to have it for you when you need it, not when you're at work trying right. to do the best you so can like to evening, support your family. Weekend, exactly. Whenever we can get it there. So what we're going to need to do in this regards is to get to know our neighbors. Right. Um, or maybe not our own immediate neighbors because uh, there may not be capacity within a neighborhood to, for neighbors to help neighbors yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe it all need to learn a neighborhood in yes. my community. And uh, like we started to do with High Crest and NetReach and some phenomenal things are going on over there now. But uh, what does it mean to get to know your neighbors? What are some of the scenarios that may be really eye-openers here? Well, it may be a situation where you, you are talking with your neighbor and you find out they don't have a stove. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. cooking is a very different kind of situation. Or you find out they don't know how to cook or they don't have a refrigerator or they don't have running water. Mm-hmm. Or all of those things that so many of us just take for granted, yeah. right? When we right. give someone food. Mm-hmm. Or if all you give them are things that have to be peeled and they don't have a peeler, it can be that simple. You know, that they don't have a peeler to peel something with or a knife to peel something with, right? Right. So all of those things, if you can find that out, or you may find out that they are just very um, proud folks, right? Mm -hmm. That think that their situation is not as bad as someone else's. Mm -hmm. And so they're not going to ask for assistance. And yet they need it. But if you're there and you get to know them, Yes. You get to encourage them, yes. you know, and you get to you get to help them overcome that barrier right. and let them know that there's enough for everyone as long as we just share with each other. Mm-hmm. And and so the things you can get to know about folks, it's unlimited barrier. And it'll be a little difficult on the front end. Yeah, um, it's a risk, right? It's a risk. It's a risk of just uh, emotion, if right. nothing else. You right. know, I remember uh, many years ago when we started going into the Highcrest neighborhood and taking Thanksgiving dinners from the great Thanksgiving community meal in, in, in uh, boxes to people, and we'd go to the door and say, would you like Thanksgiving dinner? Or do you have Thanksgiving dinner? And um, people say, what do you want? Yeah. We don't want anything. We just want to know if you, we got food. Mm-hmm. And they'd look out in the car, and they would look at us and go, no, really, what do you want? Because mm. 
trust is yeah. a huge issue mm-hmm. for a lot yeah. of people who, well, all of us, um, but especially people who've been poor and struggling and maybe they've been gone through trauma or whatever the case might be. But the bridge of food began to establish a relationship. That's how we really got NetReach going was community dinners. Mm -hmm. And uh, y'all come, you know. Well, the first dinner, I'll never forget, we had 30 people. 30 people. And we were going awesome, and nobody killed each other, which Mm -hmm. was really cool, you know. We didn't know them. Nobody's talking to us. Nobody's talking, but they came for the food. Then it grew, and it grew. One time, one um, October, when we had a, a community meal on a Friday night, we processed over 600 people from the neighborhood that came to that meal, 30 to 600 Isn't that, that amazing? came and got along and had a great time and started to get to know each other. So there's some really great things that can come up out of this. Well, isn't that how Christ did it? Yes. He exactly. called Zacchaeus out of a tree and said, I'm coming to your house to eat, right? Exactly. Christ did it over food a lot. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, he fed people a lot, not just spiritually, yeah, but physically. Exactly. And so there is power in food. There's power in the communion of eating food together yes. as well. Yes. So it's, it, it can be amazing. You know, and even in, <laughs> I love that you're, you're, you're bringing that up because I love the feeding of the 5,000, mm-hmm. uh, the four and the 5,000, two different accounts there. But, but, you know, um, uh, the disciples were very concerned about the large crowd and knowing that they're going to get hungry. Jesus had been really talking a long time, you know, <laughs> and uh, they were, he was t- t- teaching the people and they were at his feet and, you know, 5,000 plus women and children. Some people said maybe it was 10,000 people out there and the disciples were getting concerned. It's getting late in the day. So they came to Jesus and said, you know, Jesus is getting late in the day. So let's cut it, you know, and tell them to go home They're They need to go eat. And what does Jesus do? He said, well, give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And, you know, kind of just uh, imagining what that felt like. You're looking around, we got 10 grand here, you know. <laughs> How are we going to feed them, you know? The, the Wendy's is closed, you know, um, whatever. But uh, so they came back to Jesus and said, hey, this is all we got. We got a few loaves and some fish here. There's no way to do that. Maybe they were saying maybe we ought to keep it for ourselves, even though that's not in the Bible. But you know how we are is let's convince him that he does not know what he's talking about. You know, when God gives us something to do, oftentimes we argue with God. That's impossible. We can't do that. And so they came to Jesus, and they'd seen him perform miracles before, but they're telling him, this is not reasonable. Sorry. Not reasonable. This is all we got. And what's he say? Oh, yeah, you're right. I didn't know. I didn't know the refrigerator was that empty. (laughs) No. He said, okay, give it to me. And, and and if I was one of those disciples, uh, knowing me, I'd probably gone cool off my back. He's got it now. Let's walk away and let's get out of here before we start getting people who are hangry. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so what's Jesus do? He blessed it. He blessed all they had. And then he handed it right back to them and said, now go feed them. They don't need to go away. Mm-hmm. And by faith, they went out and fed. Right. And it multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. That's what's exciting. Yeah about the time we're in, in spite of all of the challenges that we have, there are hungry people, and with God's blessing, and with our faithfulness as a community, we can not only feed people that were fed that day, but we can also feed their souls and help them to know that there's hope because God loves them dearly. And we do too. And we do too. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So more to come on this um, that we'll be uh, sharing um, in uh, our community, our mission as we go forward. Also in uh, 
the uh, monthly rescue mission newsletter. And uh, so just stay tuned on this. Uh, Kim will probably be getting a lot of calls for you. And uh, we got somebody else coming along to help us out on this effort. And it's going to be a huge volunteer um, effort that won't start and, and, and be completely um, everything fine-tuned and everything for a while. But we're not going to wait for that. We're going to start. Matter of fact, we got something big coming next week, don't yes, we? we do. <laughs> Some trucks coming with food. <laughs> yes, they and are. So, um, but uh, yes, just thank you for listening to us today on our community, our mission. Uh, pray for us as we find out what the Lord has in mind for our community and the mission that he's put us on. If you're interested in learning more information about Topeka Rescue Mission, you can go to our website at trmonline.org. Also, there's a button that if you can uh, decide to give to us, you can do that there as well. If you uh, would like to text us to give, you can text TRMGIVE to 77977. Text TRMGIVE to 77977. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next week.